The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio on this beautiful Saturday, February 6th. 2021. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got um, a great show as usual for you. Uh, let me begin by just telling you that what we've been predicting on our show for the past uh, few weeks is now uh, beginning to take uh, effect. It is happening now. We've been chatting about, uh, all of our guests have been chatting about uh, the issue of um, the changes in the immigration policy favoring illegal immigration. Uh, there's no two ways to put it, but favoring illegal immigration by the administ- by the Biden administration. Uh, and uh, sure enough, here it is. It is happening, my friends. It is happening. Um, one of the uh, one of the uh, folks on the uh, on uh, news Newsmax, I believe it was. I'm not sure if it was or Fox News, but one one of the one of the uh, presenters. Uh, that was being interviewed um, said that it was literally the the return of uh, catch and release. Catch and release was the uh, policy that uh, they had under the Obama administration, where literally an illegal alien would be uh, apprehended, or in most cases would introduce themselves to the uh, border patrol, and uh, the person would then be uh, taken into custody. They would be processed, uh, given a court date to reappear. And uh, then they would just disappear. There are millions of people that followed that uh, pattern. And uh, the pattern is starting all over again because um, the, the uh, Biden administration has ceased, first of all, uh, the agreement with Mexico to keep people seeking asylum, to keep them in, in Mexico. Uh, these folks can now just cross, uh, ask for asylum, and uh, be given a date and released. Then uh, they also released from detention all of the uh, folks that were in detention that had been picked up uh, for various uh, for various uh, infractions, including including criminal ones. Uh, all of these were illegal aliens that had been picked up and were in detention, and some of them had committed felonies. Well, they've all been released uh, by the by the Biden administration, my friends. Uh, it, it is one disaster after another. It is one disaster after another. And the only thing that I can tell you, my friends, is that this is nothing short, nothing short of an effort to destroy America, to remove its boundaries, to create a migrant, a migrant uh, uh, crisis, to create a problem at the border that uh, then has to be resolved here in the United States with um, with uh, uh, some type of, of legalization action, uh, it, it is nothing short uh, than the destruction of America. That's what it is. That's what these policies are meant to do. And uh, you know, I, I'm going to be—I'll be blunt. I'm sorry. You know, some people think that that's that's too strong of a statement. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Let me give you a quick rundown of uh, who our guests are because they are fantastic, and they're all going to speak out very, very plainly about this issue that we're facing with, uh, uh, you know, we've got a pandemic. We're supposed to be uh, locked down. We're supposed to be careful. Yet we are letting people in uh, who are carrying heaven knows what diseases. Okay. We're also letting in people. We're also treating people at the border uh, because Mexico doesn't have the, the, the ability to treat its own folks. Uh, or, or has the facility to treat to, to, to treat folks, so we're tr- we're doing it. I mean, you know, uh, I'm sorry about you, but but I, I'm sorry. I don't know about you folks, but I, I am suffering from humanity fatigue. I really, really am. You know, we are being taken advantage of like like dummies at this point. Um, okay, so who are our guests? First of all, uh, our first guest is going to be uh, Congressman uh, Chip Roy. And Congressman Chip Roy, one of the most conservative in the uh, in the House, uh, he's from here from Texas. Uh, 
21st District. He's going to be chatting with us um, about this situation with, with immigration. How um, you know how is the House going? How are the House Republicans going to respond to this situation, my friends? Um, Nancy Pelosi and uh, the Democrats uh, are pushing uh, are pushing the agenda uh, very very strongly, extremely. You know, and uh, they they really don't care to. Uh, it's become very very obvious that they don't care to uh, negotiate or to sit down and try to to uh, uh, reach a compromise. Uh, so Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy, is going to be chatting with us uh, first of all. Then we've got uh, my very very good friend Todd Benzman, and Todd, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Todd has been uh, at the border. He has been writing about this situation uh, this past uh, Friday. Uh, yesterday, in fact, he wrote, uh, he published an article uh, regarding uh, the uh, issue of um, uh, catch and release. And, uh, you know, he's one of the ones that has been, uh, been been telling us, you know, this is the situation that we're going to be facing. We're going to be facing, once again, people coming in and being released and uh, never to be seen again. And, the, the, again, the Democrats just don't seem to care about law and order. They don't. They want complete and total chaos. Uh, our final guest is a new guest, and that's uh, Sheriff Chuck Jenkins from uh, from uh, Frederick County, Maryland. Uh, Frederick County is just north of uh, Montgomery County of the Washington D.C. area. Uh, it's uh, it's I, it, it's almost in the middle between Baltimore and uh, and Washington D.C. It sits kind of to the side uh, of uh, 95, but. Um, Sheriff Jenkins is going to be chatting with us because he tested, he is going to absolutely uh, tell us the successes that the uh, 287G program, which is the program that allows local law enforcement to cooperate with immigration law enforcement, how successful their, that, that program has been. Now, take into consideration again, my friends, that Sheriff Jenkins' county is in Maryland, in the middle of Maryland, and uh, hugging right up against the Appalachians in, Mar- in Maryland. And um, it, it, it is a, a, a good distance between Frederick, Maryland, and, uh, and Laredo, Texas. A big, 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 big <laughs> distance, my friends. However, he has been impacted upon by the problems at the border, by the policies of the border. He has been impacted upon, and he and and his uh, and his uh, deputies have uh, seen successes in removing, in absolutely removing uh, illegal alien criminals. Now he he he'll tell you, you know that uh, they don't go around picking up uh, illegal aliens. They don't just just off the street. Uh, anybody who looks like an illegal alien, contrary to what the ACLU and LULAC and uh, the GI Forum and Maldef and all of these people, uh, for lack of better word, to, better adjective to use, what, uh, you know, regardless of what La Raza says, they don't do that. However, they do pick up and detain people that have been involved in crimes, whether it is theft, rape, murder, drunk driving. If they have committed a crime, my friends, they are detained and they are turned over to INS, to immigration, Okay. The headache that we've got is that we've had some newly elected Democrat sheriffs in North Carolina, for example, and in uh, in, in uh, uh, Georgia, and these sheriffs are refusing to cooperate with with immigration law enforcement. Can you imagine refusing to cooperate with them? We've got uh, Sheriff uh, Javier uh, Salazar here, right here in Bear County in San Antonio, who soft pedals. He dances around the whole issue of cooperation with with. Uh, uh, immigration. He de- he does. He does. When asked about it. And we have lots of sheriffs like that. Sheriff Cuellar, in, uh, who is, uh, who is uh, Congressman Cuellar's brother in Webb County, uh, he'll, he'll dance around it. He won't answer yes or no on the issue of cooperation with uh, immigration law enforcement. You know, these folks are more afraid of the, uh, of the liberal news media and the liberal uh, 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 Organizations and they are of the voters than in protecting the United States citizens. My friends, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us once again. We're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back with our first guest, Chip Roy. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer in San Antonio, sponsored by Border Hawk. 
www.thepatriotsupply.news. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, our good buddy, uh, Congressman Chip Roy, from the 21st District, from the U.S. 21st District here in Texas. And uh, I wanted to get the congressman on here to chat about uh, all of these uh, immigration changes that are going on and, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the reality of the angst that we have a lot of uh, Texans have regarding what what are we going to do, uh, particularly since there's a caravan coming, since uh, there seems to be a catch and release policy in the in the uh, offing, and uh, since we seem to be inviting and encouraging people to come across the border again uh, without really screening them, and you know here we are locked down with COVID, and you know uh, we're we're going to be bringing in more folks. Uh, Congressman, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Um, talk to us. What is going on in Congress with regards to uh, at least opposing these uh, these edicts that are coming from the White House? Well, George, great to be on as always. Obviously, one of the issues we were most concerned about and one of the many reasons I supported President Trump last year for re-election was uh, his stance on the border and making sure we secure the border of the United States. It was very clear that despite past statements by uh, Joe Biden, when he was in the Senate, and otherwise supporting the Secure Fence Act and other things, that he was going to kowtow to the uh, leftist mob that is currently running the Democrat Party and uh, open up our borders and endanger Americans and endanger immigrants in the process. And, of course, he's already started on doing that. The current executive orders, which immediately stops construction of the border wall after 400 and something miles was constructed, leaving the Rio Grande Valley particularly still exposed. Uh, he ended the travel ban, which basically was restricting uh, inflows from countries that refuse to follow the proper procedures when we're checking people and looking at the right databases to make sure that they're not dangerous. Uh, an executive order uh, calling for the, uh, the you know preservation of DACA. Uh, he's uh, reducing or changing the arrest priorities for ICE and undermining ICE's ability. Added a 100-day moratorium on deportations. And most importantly, probably of anything, he's ending the migrant protection protocols that we've worked out working with Mexico to help us figure out how to stem the tide. All while we've got a caravan that's building and growing, Guatemala uh, and, and heading this way um, uh, and, and uh, through Honduras and otherwise. And so now what we're looking at are numbers that are pretty extraordinary. Uh, this administration had been uh, apprehending numbers at, at, at very high levels in uh, uh, November, December, over 70,000 per month. Those are the kind of levels we saw, remember, in FY 2019. We saw a massive spike at the end of 2020 because they knew they wanted to get here and get to this country, hoping to be able to take advantage of, of a likely Biden amnesty. So we're going to do everything we can to push back on that. I introduced uh, legislation to push back on a number of things, uh, for example, the Paris Climate Agreement and uh, the World Health Organization. We're uh, moving forward right now on, on ways to try to defund and push back on, on the border security stuff and uh, highlight these issues, um, hopefully, and it looks like I'm going to be on the on House Judiciary Committee where, where we have preeminent uh, jurisdiction over this issue. Do you think that uh, that the, um, you know, I, I know that they're putting together, that the Biden folks are putting together a, uh, or the Democrats, because that includes the, 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 the Senate and the House as well, they're putting together a, uh, an immigration package, a reform. Yeah. Um, do you think that there will be, uh, ability to uh, water it down a little bit because I anticipate all sorts of radical, uh, crazy things in it. Well, look, the legislation is going to be a wish list for the progressive left, right? It's going to have uh, amnesty over eight years, a path of citizenship. Uh, it will have uh, no real concrete security measures. Uh, we know what we need to do. It's not that hard. It's about the willpower to do it. This is why I've long opposed amnesty. Uh, that the first step that we need to do is secure the border of the United States. Then we can have a conversation about uh, any of the people who have been impacted by our ridiculously broken system. 
but it's not that hard to secure, right? Build the physical infrastructure you need along the border. That is a mixture of fencing and, and clearing cane and building roads for Border Patrol. Uh, just go talk to Border Patrol agents. Do what they basically suggest, and let's go secure the border of the United States. Let's end catch and release. Let's make it easier to return people to their home countries when they get here. Uh, let's not let asylum be abused. These are all things we can fix in a few pages. Democrats will refuse to do it. Hell, even the Obama administration put forward some of those ideas, but politics in the House prevented us from getting it done. So we're going to be working hard to keep pushing those issues while holding the line, but it's going to be a radical bill. Look, the bottom line is the only barrier between us and this stuff becoming law uh, is really a handful of senators agreeing that they need to hold on to the filibuster. It, it. And we need to make sure that we're working with Joe Manchin and others and try to hold the line for the next two years. That's why that filibuster in the Senate is so important. It, it really, I mean, it's it's quite frightening with some of the things that they've, you know, the, that they have done. Uh, I am not sure if they are going to happen, but my understanding is that there was there was a directive to um, the immigration and customs enforcement folks to ICE, telling them that they had to re- re- release detained uh, aliens that they had under custody. And uh, I mean that 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 really really is a, is a frightening thing because well some of those characters were criminals or are criminals yeah and what we're hearing about right now is that they're really talking about uh, moving agents down there to essentially go back to the pre-Trump era and the, even the first year or so of the Trump era as we were getting hold of the situation uh, be basically being a process facility where where you basically people cross the line and you process them and you say okay well you're claiming asylum or you're claiming you know some sort of uh, protection status, and we literally just process them and send them in the country and say, okay, well, show up to a hearing one day, and we'll talk to you later. And they never do. <laughs> and all that does is encourage the cartels to make more money, encourage the cartels to keep moving uh, human beings for profit, as well as illicit products, and the fentanyl increase over the last five years is extraordinary, George, on our border. And that becomes because we continue to empower the cartels, because we just refuse to secure our border. We should just secure the border. It's not that complicated. Uh, I'm not backing an inch off of that position just because Democrats uh, run the White House. They do not have a mandate. We have a split Senate, a split House, and we, we, we clearly had a split election uh, in moving uh, in terms of uh, Joe Biden uh, ascending to the White House. Well, there's also the issue of the wall. I mean, you know, they've, they've canceled building, continuing to build yep. the wall. So uh, that's that's another issue that uh, has well, a lot of Well, and I'll be working with my friend Henry Cuellar. We had legislation last Congress uh, encouraging us to clear cane and build roads along the Rio Grande. Um, I'll keep pushing for offense because that's what I want. But, uh, you know, that's not going to happen realistically under a Biden administration right now. But we've got Democrat support for ensuring we've got other infrastructure along the river. And so we ought to keep pushing for that and working on a bipartisan basis to do that as best we can. But regardless, we've got to make sure the American people know our border is wide open and unsecure and run by cartels. And Democrats don't care. Yep. Uh, it really is. It really is, and it's 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 become a great a great point of of anxiety for a lot of us down here in the uh, in the southern part of Texas. Yes, sir. Let me ask you another question on a completely different subject, because a lot of folks uh, have been uh, very very upset, and that is the issue of your vote uh, regarding the um, the uh, uh, the Trump impeachment. Uh, trial or process or whatever whatever we, we want to call it. Um, what uh, what can you talk about or say about that? Sure. Well, I'll say what I've said publicly on the floor, but make sure that I can explain it uh, for those who, who, uh, who want to understand better. Uh, there were two major events, right, in January. One was the January 6th vote, the day that the Capitol obviously was breached and we had a sort of an assault, a siege on the Capitol of the United States. We had a vote that night on whether or not we should uh, reject the electors that had been sent from states. Uh, my position was very clear prior to that and on that day that I would not be voting to reject the electors because I believe it is my constitutional duty under the 12th Amendment, the plain reading of the text of the Constitution, as we as conservatives believe we should do, uh, to accept that the sole uh, slate of electors sent to us from each state in the Union is what we are supposed to accept. I'm a Federalist, George. Most of the people I represent are Federalists. We in Texas don't want anybody telling us who our electors are. And I'll be damned if I was going to empower Nancy Pelosi to come back in 2024 when we've elected Ted Cruz or, you know, Ron DeSantis or whoever we choose to elect uh, in 2024 and say that Texas uh, electors don't count because we used mail, uh, we didn't use mail-in ballots or we have voter ID or whatever reason they want to. We can't empower Congress to overstep states. So my 
my belief was we should not vote to reject the electors, even though we all had frustrations with some of the way things were carried off state by state. That's really important, and I can't back an inch off of that position. It's important to protect the people I represent. Number two, there was then a question about impeachment. I voted against impeachment. Why? Well, number one, it was politicized. I asked the Democrats, pushed Democrats the days leading up to the impeachment vote uh, last week or a week and a half ago, uh, to not go down that road, that you're going to rip the country apart. But here's what happened. The President of the United States made a mistake, in my view. The President of the United States pressured his vice president repeatedly on the days leading up to uh, January 6th to ignore the electors, use him as a unilateral decision. Now, in my view, that is highly dangerous to empower the vice president, uh, the, the sitting vice president, who's presiding over the joint session, who's responsible for counting the electors. We don't like autocrats in the United States of America. We want to make sure that the people's voice is heard. And if you don't like the electors, then we got to go fix the elector process. But we can't have the vice president in power to set aside the electors. So the vice, in my opinion, the president of the United States was wrong to tell his vice president that he should set aside the electors, which he did repeatedly, told him that he, quote, needed to do the right thing. And then here's the thing, George. I was in the Capitol when we were being breached and assaulted. I was there when the doors were being slammed and I was on the floor of the House and we were being evacuated. I know I saw footage of people marching around the Capitol chanting, hang Mike Pence, walking around the Senate, where moments before the vice president and the Senate and the House were doing our constitutional duty to count the electors. The, vice, the president of the United States tweeted at 2.24 p.m. as I'm being evacuated from the floor of the House, quote, Pence did not have the courage to do what should have been done, end quote. That fueled more of the rage, and it was wrong. And I'll say that anywhere to anyone who wants to listen. I was a huge supporter of the president, a huge supporter of his agenda, but that was not the right thing to do. However, Democrats didn't impeach him for that. Democrats impeached him for incitement. They did so, and it's wrong. It's dangerous, and it cleanses the square, the public square of political speech. I oppose it. The Senate should reject it, and we should move forward. And that's my position about what occurred as quickly as I can outline it for you. You know, you raised a couple of points that are really, really key and very important. Um, You know, uh, the vast majority of us were not there, and the vast majority of us uh, are very, very skeptical of what we hear and see uh, coming out of uh, the mainstream media. So, therefore, a lot of folks, you know, uh, are making assumptions based on, you know, uh, the feelings that we have. Uh, the other aspect of, of it is that there are a lot of folks, I mean, uh, I am inundated by the number of, uh, of uh, rumors uh, and people claiming that the rumor is true. Uh, that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, they, I may as well be talking to folks who are walking, who, who are talking about flying to the moon. I, I don't well, know. It, I, George, I, let me tell you one more thing for listeners and for, for you personally. On the Tuesday night before all of this occurred on January 6th, I called the Hayes County Sheriff that day saying, hey, look out and watch out for my family because I'm hearing things here in D.C. when I walk around town that are giving me pause. And on that Tuesday night, I'd stayed up late writing my speech about my vote to to not object to the electors, right? I I knew I needed to say something important about that. I'm driving home, and we stop off and grab some wings real quick because I hadn't eaten all day. And we go into this little sports bar, and it's filled with people that I would call people that would be my supporters, right? Uh, Trump supporters. Uh, wearing MAGA paraphernalia and everything else. And I was like, okay, great, listening to them. And as I listened to them, table by table, beer by beer, I might add, I was hearing people say, hey, man, tomorrow those liberals are going to be mad when the vice president saves this for Donald Trump. And they kept saying it over and over and over again. And I, I then that night texted a bunch of my friends. I said, guys, tomorrow is going to get a little crazy in Washington. I could just tell. And I reiterated to the sheriff, hey, make sure that you're keeping an eye out on my family um, because people were really riled up. And I think we've got to be really cautious and thoughtful about how we do these things and have conversations about the things that we're concerned about. Um, we're all concerned about election integrity. We're all concerned about making sure uh, elections, uh, we can believe in them. Uh, but we've got to be very care- careful about when we're talking about the transition of power in the United States and what we do and how that works when the House and the Senate meet and we're supposed to count the electors. So uh, I just think it's an interesting part of that story. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, uh, you know, if we're going to act, we need to act in a a conscientious adult manner, and we certainly cannot, uh, you know, react to rumors and 
uh, and assumptions. And, um, you know, it, it, we, we, we've, we've got to be the adults in the room. I'm sorry, you know, and uh, we certainly can't, can't behave you know, otherwise. Yeah. And, Congressman. And look, and we can do that all in the way that we know we're still fighting for everything we believe in and, yeah. and, and make sure that we are preserving and protecting this republic. And that, that at the end of the day was my job, George. I swore an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States. I believe I did that for the betterment of not just our country, but for the people I represent. We are all Federalists. We all believe in the rule of law. We all believe in uh, Texas and making sure we're protecting Texas. I believe that's what, what uh, we were doing that day. Yeah, you got it. Thank you very much, Congressman, for taking time to be with us this morning and for chatting with us. Uh, we wish you the best, and uh, let's, uh, let's get you on the show again. Happy to do it, George. God bless you, and I uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. We've been talking with Congressman uh, Chip Roy. This is George Rodriguez on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got our good friend, uh, Mr. Todd Benzman from the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. I've reached out to him because, uh, well, first of all, this past week, President Biden uh, put out some executive orders that literally are going to liberalize, and I use that term very carefully liberalize uh, entry into the United States for a lot of folks. And uh, at the same time, uh, Todd comes out with a very interesting book about a subject that's taboo uh, on the border. And uh, the subject is terrorism, and I want him to explain to us why it's taboo and why he wrote the book. Uh, Todd, welcome to the show as usual. Talk to us about this subject and your book. The, the book title is America's Covert Border War, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration. So the book title is pretty descriptive about what, it, what what's in it. Uh, this is about how the uh, American government, after 9-11, responded with programs to the idea, the notional threat that uh, Islamic terrorists might use the southern border as a pathway to get into the country and uh, not just conduct terror attacks, but uh, you know, recruit and you know financial, uh, you know, raise money and and all of the things that Islamic terrorists do. And the book really is the first. Uh, kind of journalistic effort uh, out there that discloses the existence of these that of these counterterrorism programs Americans would be very surprised to know that DHS and ICE and HSI and the FBI military intelligence have these elaborate counterterrorism programs at the border designed to stop infiltration by Islamic terrorists among the migration flows that come regularly over that border from the Middle East and South Asia and North Africa from Muslim-majority countries where, you know, there's a lot of terrorism activity. Uh, These programs have been going on for 15 years, unreported, and they're just absolutely fascinating. Uh, that we have these, and uh, this is, you, you asked, you know, why is this a taboo issue? Because it's really the idea of terrorist infiltration over the border is very contentious and controversial. If it were to be uh, regarded as, uh, you know, a, a widely accepted truth, then it could be used to, you know, restrict the border, to stop migration from Spanish-speaking countries, and there are all kinds of issues with that. Labor, uh, you know, uh, there's, there, there are a lot of in, uh, in, entrenched interests in maintaining that flow of Spanish-speaking mi- migration from Mexico and the rest if, in fact, we have Islamics coming through and conducting terror attacks. And so nobody 
nobody ever wants to talk about this. Whenever somebody does talk about this and say it out loud, they are shouted, screamed down by uh, people on the left, on the left side of the political spectrum usually, uh, and who deny that any of this happens, that there is any sort of migration. They deny it. They, you know, they're fact-checking and doing all their, uh, you know, that really come to my mind about uh, securing the border, not only, you know, the criminals, of course, the cartels, uh, but also during this pandemic, you know, while we're all being shut up and shut down, um, there just doesn't seem to be any effort to screen people as they cross or to control the border so that we can screen people to find out if they're sick or not. Uh, but then on top of that, you're adding to this this other Concern of uh, whether or not these people are coming in to uh, do us harm as terrorists. Uh, I, well, I just, I, you know, I'm just in shock about that. I, I, I'm disgusted. Yeah. Well, as I point out in the book, and 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 reveal to uh, probably the most elaborate lengths that anybody has ever revealed that the United States government, the Homeland Security Enterprise, has programs, counterterrorism efforts at the border to that are designed to vet these migrants when they reach the border. And they're also, also a, another part of the covert border war that takes place out of sight and out of mind in Latin America, where the migrants are using pathways to the southern border. They fly in typically into South America and uh, from those countries. And those countries have a lot of terrorist activity in there, so in them, and so we don't know who these people are, whether they were a member of a terrorist organization or just a regular economic or political uh, refugee on their way here for sanctuary or for economic purposes. But the issue is always about vetting them for their hearts and minds, their experience, and it's very difficult to do that. And to, uh, because they're the, the ones who are jihadists are actually kind of like needles in the haystack. Uh, you just don't know. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if people who have had experience with terrorist organizations or who, who uh, you know, sympathize with their ideologies don't volunteer it. They don't brag about it, typically. They keep it a secret. They know they're not, we're not going to let them in if that becomes known. They they really go to elaborate lengths to hide it, but, but you know, there's COVID, yes, uh, uh, but COVID is a passing thing. That will pass one day. All pandemics do eventually pass, uh, as history shows us, but this is an issue that will live on with us for a long time. Uh, the book uh, uh, concludes and attributes the fact that we have had no terror attack from the border to this covert border war to these efforts in Latin America. We've got Americans uh, involved in, in these counterterrorism programs all over the Americas. It's fascinating what they're doing. And we also have a lot of effort at the physical land border as well. And most people are unheralded. And when the media and pundits swear that this is not a real migration thing, that there aren't Middle Easterners coming to the border and people from those countries coming to the border, that's a big lie. They're really doing a, uh, they're, they're insulting all of these uh, people with um, ICE, HSI, and uh, C 
CBP and DHS who have been working on this for years under both Democrats and Republicans, I might add. This is not a partisan threat issue. This is a very nonpartisan threat issue. The Obama administration was involved in, in this, trying to improve the programs, actually. Um, so, anyway, uh, I think that the book, America's Covert Border War, uh, should raise eyebrows. Uh, we talk about the border all the time. Uh, we've got Joe Biden in office uh, reversing and making new, reversing Trump's programs and making a lot of news regarding immigration. We've got, uh, you know, a surge, a swelling surge coming to the border now. And nobody ever talks about this threat. And I think it's the timing is, uh, is, is exactly right to talk about this threat, too. We really do. I mean, we really do. I mean, as they liberalize the opportunities for people to walk into our nation, uh, we've got to, you know, we've got to discuss this because, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're sitting ducks if we don't. We're sitting ducks. Well, particularly if there's another mass migration crisis at the border. You know, I, I, I mentioned that Europe had an experience that started in 2015 with a mass migration crisis to its external borders, the EU's external borders. Uh, people remember that in 2015. There were probably, you know, a couple million at least were allowed in to the interior. They forced their way in uh, when they weren't allowed in and uh, were given asylum. And there were ISIS terrorist operatives sent in deliberately with that migration uh, to, to use it as camouflage. Uh, many, many scores of actual terrorists were, were sent in over the borders as a tactic of travel, uh, a really nefarious kind of tactic, um, taking advantage of all of those you know, benevolent people that were just trying to get away from war zones. And they conducted attack after attack after attack, starting with Paris in 2015 and then Brussels. Those were all conducted by border-crossing terrorists. And those attacks have continued all the way to the present day nonstop in a dozen different European countries. And so we see what mass migration crises can do yeah, right. uh, for, for that. I mean, and so if we're looking at Joe Biden, uh, you know, inviting a mass migration crisis at our border, which is already happening, I just came from the border, and they, it is swelling up. There is a wave right over there, and it's already started to crash through in several sectors. Uh, and it's only going to get worse as um, as time goes on. We get into the spring and summer. Yep. Uh, that's a particular danger. That's what happened in Europe. Yep. Uh, we so, we need to we need to 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 close out sadly, but. Um, Todd, tell the folks where they can uh, pick up your book and where they can uh, read more from from you. Sure. America's Covert Border War is available on Amazon. Uh, you can get it as a Kindle uh, or order the book, which will uh, it's a little bit delayed, uh, the, the hardcover book, but you'll get it probably before the end of the month. And um, anywhere that books are sold as well, although they're not quite in bookstores yet, uh, they should be by the end of the month. But Amazon's a great place to, to order, and I, I'd appreciate it if um, uh, you know folks went to that and supported the book. You got it. We've been talking with our good friend Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, George Rodriguez on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Thanks, Todd, for being with us. Thank you. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk. News. Hi 
Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, a new special guest with us, uh, a gentleman uh, who is uh, really uh, not on the border, but he's on the front lines. And this is what's really critical for us to understand, my folks, is that the border... Uh, as my grandparents had said, the border, the border has moved. I mean, in the 1920s, they were upset with, uh, with bootleggers at the border. They were upset with uh, cr- criminals uh, stealing cars at the border. Uh, now the border has moved because uh, now we're worried about things happening at uh, north of the border. And we're talking to uh, Sheriff Charles Chuck Jenkins from Frederick County, Maryland. And uh, he's a fourth-term uh, uh, elected uh, sheriff, so he must be doing something right. He must be doing something right. Uh, Frederick County, for those of you who don't know geography very well, is uh, northeast, uh, uh, north and east of uh, of uh, Washington D.C. It's uh, it butts up against Montgomery County, and we've talked a lot about Montgomery County and the uh, and, and the problems with uh, MS-13 in that area, as well as uh, uh, Prince George's County. But, um, Sheriff, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Um, in the 29 years of your uh, law enforcement service, um, what have you seen regarding the issues of uh, illegal crime, illegal alien crime, or uh, issues of, of the border affecting your county and your community? Sure. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. So, first of all, uh, let, let's let's walk back to my years prior uh, prior to being sheriff when I was a detective working criminal cases. Uh, we started to see a tremendous influx of criminal activity by people who were in, who were in this country illegally. A lot of gang activity growing here in Frederick County, coming from the neighboring counties of Montgomery, PG, and other locations in Maryland. So, we could see this building back in the early 2000s until it came a point uh, when I was elected 2006, I, I decided that uh, working with ICE was a good opportunity to, to build a new public safety tool here in Frederick County, which has uh, turned out to be a very effective program. So in effect, what I see, George, every county becomes a border county if you let it go unchecked. It, it does. It really, truly does. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very, very interesting how, you know, the, um, the impact of uh, these urban areas uh, uh, like Washington, D.C., like uh, the greater Washington, D.C. area, have attracted so many, uh, for example, Salvadorans, who in turn have attracted the MS-13 gangs. And uh, you're right next door to them, so it's uh, obvious that it, uh, that it will impact on it. You're also on a corridor uh, uh, near between Washington and Baltimore and uh, points north, so uh, you're probably going to get uh, trafficking through there, are you not? Very much so. Drug trafficking, heavy drug trafficking. We are a major drug corridor through the region. Also, human trafficking. Uh, again, the gang activity, gang activity that migrates across the country is drawn to Maryland because Maryland is a sanctuary state overall. So, again, right here in Frederick County, although we're working closely with ICE, we see the impact of the unchecked gang crime in Montgomery and PG counties. I don't want it here in Frederick County. I will do everything I can to keep it out. Now, you, as a as an as an elected sheriff, uh, you are a, uh, a a unique in a unique position for uh, law enforcement. Um, something that uh, it's not uh, known in other uh, nations, but uh, you're in a unique position to um, protect the uh, the safety, the health and safety of, of citizens. Um, one of the things that we're seeing with this administration, with the new Biden administration, is the effort to minimize, if not uh, end, the uh, relationship, the uh, program that developed a, a working relationship between sheriffs and ICE and uh, immigration enforcement, that uh, program called 20, uh, 287G. Um, have you guys used it, and uh, can you tell us some success stories from it? Absolutely. So uh, we began our partnership with ICE 
in 2008. Uh, it is a 287G program. It's a delegation of authority program that allows for a local sheriff or local correctional facility to enter into an agreement to have correctional officers trained uh, basically to be deputized as ICE agents to perform certain functions of immigration enforcement. We've been involved in the program since 2008. It's been a very effective public safety program locally. I can't say enough good things about the ICE leadership, the, the oversight, the supervision. Uh, going back uh, to the Bush administration, Bush II, uh, the Obama administration kind of watered the program down with certain priorities. Uh, and then under, of course, President Trump, uh, the program really became uh, more successful, if you will, more effective in many ways. Uh, and here we are today with a program here in Frederick County that we have removed 750 criminal aliens from our street and have been deportation from this country. So you argue that we are a safer county because of it. Wow. You know, it's, uh, it's very, very interesting because um, in this past election, this past November, uh, there were some uh, uh, sheriffs uh, who were elected both in North Carolina and in Georgia who uh, on their first day declared that they would not cooperate with ICE. Um, and uh, there, you know, the uh, situation that we've got with the border bulging at this point with folks trying to get in, with uh, the changes in the administration trying to vet people who are coming in, let alone uh, catch and release is about to start all over again. Uh, and then yesterday the report that 11 Iranians were caught entering illegally in, in Arizona. Uh, why, I, I don't understand why people, uh, why uh, law enforcement folks would not want to work to address the issue of, uh, of uh, criminal aliens. I mean, you know, I, I wonder about that myself because I have an obligation as a sheriff to do everything I can to keep my community, my county as safe as I can. So I would argue with any sheriff that there's no reason they wouldn't participate. There's no reason they wouldn't work with ICE, cooperate, because this is a correction-based program. We're not out on the street rounding people up who happen to be illegal immigrants. Once an individual is arrested, brought into our detention center for a crime they've committed in this community, they are booked. They are identified. If they're determined to be in this country illegally, we follow a detainer with ICE, and ICE ultimately makes a decision to remove that individual. So, again, we have criminals who have been arrested. They're not released back onto the streets. They're identified by our staff at the detention center. They're turned over to ICE, and eventually uh, they, they are, in most cases, removed from this country, sent to their countries of origin. So, again, I would argue with any sheriff there's no reason not to partner with ICE in the 287G program. My greatest concern is where is the program going under the Biden administration, under the new uh, leadership of Homeland Security in this country. I'm very, very concerned. It's like you point out, we don't know who's coming across the border. Well, I don't want that element that we don't know who they are, the crimes they've committed, the crimes they may commit, the, the gang activity. I don't want that in my county. I want my people to sleep well at night. That's right. That's right. I mean, uh, my, uh, my one of my nieces here in San Antonio, uh, her car was rear-ended by a, a guy who was an illegal alien who was uh, running from the p police, who didn't have an, a, a driver's license, did not have uh, uh, inspection on, on his car, uh, didn't have insurance. And uh, she's having to flip the bill uh, for this individual who, uh, you know, was eventually uh, caught after after six months. But you know, it, it the impact on the um, on the uh, uh, community is is both you know it can be small like a like a, 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 a traffic accident or it can be you know something serious like murder and drugs. Sure, let me share a few uh, stories with you. So we've had cases where individuals were arrested for pretty heinous crimes, such as rape of young girls, uh, serious domestic violence, aggravated assault, assault on police officers who have been arrested. They go to trial, they, they get a shortened or, or a suspended sentence. So rather than that person being released back into the community, we turn them over to ICE and, and actions are taken to remove them. Again, it's, it's not releasing criminals back onto the street is basically what this program is. We honor ICE detainers. We honor uh, uh, 
removal orders uh, by ICE. We work closely with them. It's it's a link of communications. It's like we work with any other federal agency, the FBI, ATF, U.S. Marshals. So why would you not cooperate with ICE? I just simply don't understand it. Oh, really? It, it really is. It's mind-boggling. I, I don't understand it either. Uh, Sheriff, here at the end, uh, what, uh, what would you counsel uh, the administration, as well as other sheriffs, regarding this program, as regarding you know relationships with um, with uh, ICE. Well, I, I would ask this administration to take a serious look at the decisions they're making already on the border about interior enforcement, because it's what I say all the time that this whole immigration illegal immigration issue. If we're going to enforce the law, we have to have borders number one. But it's it's a an effort that takes both border enforcement and interior enforcement to keep our country safe. If we don't do this, we don't have a nation anymore. So I would tell this administration to to not make these drastic decisions in opening the borders, not uh, basically, they've effectively, uh, functionally dismantled ICE as of right now. They've suspended any deportations uh, for 100 days, although that's been overturned. But I would ask this administration to really, really take a hard look at where this country is going to go. I would encourage every sheriff out there to take a look at their community, their crime problems, their gang problems, drugs. Drugs are killing this people, uh, killing people in, in my community as much as COVID. So I would say take a hard look at this and for every sheriff to stand up and man up and get involved uh, with ICE in the 287G program, and you, we would be a much safer country. You got it. Sheriff, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us today. Um, please, 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 tell you and your uh, uh, you and your deputies, please stay safe and, uh, and uh, continue to, uh, to protect and, uh, and uh, defend our, uh, our communities. Thank you, and God bless this country. We, 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 we need to keep the faith. We need, uh, we need to get you back on uh, sometime in the next few uh, weeks and uh, get an update of what's happening in your community. Be glad to. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, and we've been talking with Frederick County, Maryland, Sheriff Chuck Jenkins. Thank you, Sheriff. Thank you.